you're listening to part one of our episode discussing mental health in the church. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Radical Traditional Feminist Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Idea Dynamo, Samantha Pierce, and my other co-hosts, the, the, the two that make up the Weird Sisters trio, are <laughs> Sarah Hammersma and Nikki Park. And today's subject, hopefully it'll be two parts, we're talking about mental health in the Christian church and how we address that. And is it the most helpful? <laughs> do we do a good job? Do, is it the most helpful way, the way that mental health is often addressed in the, let's be specific, the American Christian church? Uh, so Nikki, I wanna start with you and share a little bit about you know, what you know about the American church and how it addresses mental health. Yeah, from, um, I wouldn't say necessarily my own personal experience because the church I attend um, has actually been really helpful in terms of, um, I think partnering up beside me when it when it came comes to things of mental health. Um, but in the terms of the greater American church, um, I don't, honestly, I don't think um, the greater American church prides itself on its handling of mental health. Um, I think the perception from uh, a lot of uh, American evangelicals is mental health um, issues are an issue of the heart, are an issue of not trusting in the Lord enough. Um, and it ignores a lot of big issues like brain chemistry and, um, you know, just different hormonal issues and the different things that are going on in an individual person, specifically an individual Christian's life that might be a bit beyond just, they simply don't have enough faith. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something that I've, I've encountered myself. People in the church don't seem to get what mental health is. Mm -hmm. or they don't seem to understand the, the medical, the, the biological part of it. And at best, they're, they mean well, but they're a little bit confused. At worst, they just make, <laughs> they just make things a lot worse. Sarah, yes. how about you? What do you have to say? Well, I think, I think one of the challenges um, is I'm not sure that the leaders in uh, most American churches are well-trained in um, understanding issues of mental health, even though they are trained in many cases in pastoral counseling. Um, and I think um, the challenge is sort of when what you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so if what you're trained in is sort of a spiritually based kind of counseling for people who are experiencing spiritual problems, um, you're more likely to think that the problems people are experiencing are those kinds of problems. And, um, and so we've got this sort of set of issues that our churches are better equipped to handle, and then mental health issues that are more biologically based are just simply out of, um, out of the realm of the expertise of most of the people who are in leadership in a church. Um, and so 
perhaps one of the best things churches can do is actually employ or have a connection with a trained mental health professional who that they can um, then connect their um, their congregants with if they're needed, um, who can they can point them to, uh, and who could really help identify the nature of the kinds of um, challenges that they're facing and how they might be able to um, move forward, whether it's uh, moving on to um, a psychologist or psychiatrist, whether it's medication or not medication, um, whether it's intensive counseling, whether it involves bringing more of the family in, um, there could be a lot of uh, different, very successful treatment plans put into place, but um, just within the leadership of a church, they don't generally have that capacity. And so uh, the best thing I think a church can do is recognize where their capacity ends and help people get what they need um, outside the church. Yeah, there's something huge to be said about a church, um, specifically a church leader or leadership being able to say, we recognize that something bigger is going on that perhaps is beyond our capacity to help fully. And we're going to refer you to this person, but we're going to continue to follow up as well. Mm -hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Providing the spiritual support that is so important for mental health. Yeah. And so for, you know, to address mental health effectively in their church, it's important to give that, that spiritual and emotional support and also make sure that people are engaging with mental health professionals who can bring that other piece of support into place, whether it's speaking with a counselor, medications, learning new techniques, whatever that may be. And I, I wanna be I wanna be careful, I wanna be clear that a lot of the problems that the, the challenges that the, the American church has with dealing with mental health is reflected or there's a there's a mirroring challenge problem with the way that mental health is viewed in the secular realm. Folks don't understand it there either and at best may mean well and at worst they make things completely worse. Certainly. <laughs> so have had the experience in you know figuring out how to take care of myself and my own mental health of having people say to me oh no you don't need to take medication you just need to pray that's what I did and it worked for me that's an example of someone meaning well but not really getting it not really understanding that yeah, Actually, and the thing that got me to the point of considering medication was that spiritual support that said, hey, guess what? Something's off and you need to go get help. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people who don't um, have themselves or have anyone that, um, close to them who are dealing with mental health issues, it's difficult to recognize that mental health is a huge term encompassing a lot of things and a lot of diagnoses. And so what works for one probably won't work for the other. Um, yeah. So yes, perhaps somebody was able to pray and that, you know, helped quite a few things, but perhaps that person didn't have the same brain chemistry or emotional trauma that, um, that you just for example, um, in this example, had to deal with. So 
um, yeah, the, the huge umbrella term cannot be minimized down to, well, just do this one thing. Yeah. Help me keep time, by the way, because one of the things I've learned about myself over the years is that I have a unique relationship with time. It's, <laughs> it's apparently a very common thing for autistic people. And so I don't have to kick myself about being late or losing track of time anymore because that's just part of who I am. And which gets me to another aspect of understanding and appreciating mental health that there are things, as you said, Nikki, there's a, that's a huge umbrella, the term mental health or mental illness. That's a lot of different things that will, that will affect people in so many different ways. But there are ways in which people will behave because of the, the stresses that they're under, because of their, their mental health or their mental illness that are actually normal for having that particular mental illness or dealing with that particular stressor. And as with my example, with my relationship with time and being autistic, I used to beat myself up all the time because I was late. I would wait till the last minute for things and lose track of time all the time. And I don't have to do that now because I understand that this is, a, is part of who I am. And I think helping people deal with whatever their particular mental illness or mental health challenge may be is understanding what characteristics are normal when you are dealing with, say, depression. That's the one that most comes to mind when we're talking about mental health in the church, depression and anxiety. Things that people do when they're experiencing depression and anxiety are often things that are hallmarks. They're things that are normal for people experiencing depression and anxiety to do. And so, you know, there, there's um, the question is, well, when people are doing those behaviors that are normal for the state that they're in, how do we help them? <laughs> Especially if the things that they're doing are, are not actually helpful to them. They may be normal for their condition, but those actions are, are not helping the person get through life as they should. Yeah, I mean, I think this gets at a, an even broader issue of sort of, do we think about getting to the root of problems or do we think about changing behaviors? And so yeah. if we see these behaviors that are indicative of depression or anxiety, um, as, uh, you know, as the church can do in many contexts, there is sometimes uh, an erring on the side of just trying to get people to change their behavior um, and not get at the root of why the behavior is emerging. And so um, in the same way that I think our church in particular does a great job of saying Christianity is not a behavior modification program, right? That mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not here to try to learn how to act in a certain way. We are here to become changed people from the inside out by Christ. Um, and so if we think about the parallel, if the behavior is really emerging um, from a mental health challenge, then trying to correct behavior is um, not only not really caring about the root of the person's challenge, but also is going to be really ineffective. It just doesn't actually work 
Uh, it doesn't work if, uh, you know, to be a whitewashed tomb in, in terms of sin, it doesn't work to just act differently without your heart changing. And in terms of any other context where something is coming from inside and playing out, we can't try to change the outcome. We have to change the antecedent, right? We have to change the cause in the mental health language. If there's a behavior problem with kids, they always tell us to go look for the antecedent. Yeah. What, what happened first? What, how did this come about? And what about that could maybe change or at least be recognized so that we know what to expect um, when we, for instance, try to tell our child to stop playing a game and get ready to leave for church. Um, there, these, some of these things are predictable. And so if we know that someone's suffering from depression or anxiety, there are things that we can do in the way that we communicate and the way that we work together to not exacerbate that. Um, because we can understand more about the root of it if we care to. And that's where I hope and, um, and think the church can grow, really building on that same idea that, um, that we work, um, you know, if, if a behavior isn't helping us thrive, then we, we find out from the inside um, what, what is it that's creating a challenge and being able to live in a, a way that's going to be a thriving way in, in shalom and not living in anxiety or depression. And that help for the inside isn't just spiritual help. It's mental health services. It's uh, counseling. It might be medication. And so all of those things that result in, in a behavior that's helping, you know, that's not helping a person thrive um, there are ways to try to get at that and trying to tell them to act differently is sort of the least effective way and also really not a not a way that respects how their mind and body are working. I also think um, uh, strong relationships. Um, the people in our lives who know um, my husband has a diagnosis of PTSD, knows when his hard time of year is. And we don't need to kind of go around telling everybody, they just know. Um, and it's because over the years, we've developed a relationship with them that we've, you know, had to share that information before. Um, but they certainly know now that once a certain date rolls around, it's a really difficult time in our home. And we are blessed enough to have people in our lives who don't, we, we certainly can reach out to them and ask for help, but we also don't have to ask the help is regularly there and offered. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is, you know, some of our, our church leaders at our church, um, have this date in their calendar and know to be checking in, um, while they know that, you know, the, the things that my husband, um, deals with during that time is kind of above their pay grade they know to check in with him and to be caring for him and caring for us. Um, and we, we don't really have to ask for that. It's just mm. given to us. Yeah, that is a great point. Forming those relationships that can sustain an individual or a family when they are struggling with, with their emotions and their mental health such that you don't have to reach out and say, I need help. People already know. 
And for myself, one of the challenges for me was making those kinds of relationships. Again, I'm autistic. I don't do the people thing, the socializing thing. <laughs> Believe it or not, I am incredibly socially awkward at times. And when I was struggling with, well, my first bout of really deep depression, I didn't know how to reach out and ask. And I wasn't at a point where anyone knew me well enough to see that something had gone off the rails. So yeah. for a very long time, I was lacking in that relation, those close relationships that could give support and had to make it up myself as I mm -hmm. went along and try to figure it out myself. And now that I'm at a place where, where I'm beginning to develop those close relationships within the church, this is so much easier. <laughs> this is yeah. so much easier to deal with. You know, I'm having a bad day. I can just reach out to you too. I'm like, okay, I'm having a bad day. I want to flip tables. And <laughs> what I get back is a flood of understanding, commiseration, encouragement, and there are times I don't even have to do the reaching out. You know, someone just pops up. Here's something positive to think about. Here's a verse in case you're struggling. Those kinds of relationships, I, I'm just starting to get the hang of those. And it's like, oh, this is a really different world here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think something important that I myself need to do better is when I'm not on the receiving end of that, when I'm on the giving end of that, I need to be praying for those opportunities mm. because you know that there's, there's zero people at our church who are unhappy right now. Somebody is struggling and somebody is unhappy and it might not be my calling or my role to be something specific to that specific person, mm -hmm. but there will be opportunities. And that's one of the things about you know, when your church community is more receptive and open to understanding mental health, that those opportunities will be presented to the, to the people seeking them. Hmm. Join us next time for part two of our discussion about mental health in the church.